Alright everybody, welcome to Separation Nation. So excited to be bringing another podcast to you today. And got lots of great content. We just want to remind you that we want you to go to our YouTube, Agents Resource Group YouTube. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Agents Resource Group. That's where the podcast is at. It's already all bracketed out in specific playlists. If you've not caught up, you can go kind of catch up on the podcast with a video version there. And then again, just a reminder, guys, be sure to subscribe on the audio podcast as well. Don't do just one or the other. We want you to subscribe both places. Really help move us up in the ratings. This is free. We provide this basically out of just what we feel like we're supposed to do and urging a call. We want to help people be able to separate themselves from lives of of mediocrity or less than they feel like they should be experiencing. And so please go. That's the only thing we ask you to pay. The only dues we ask you to pay is go subscribe, like it, and share it on social media. Help us get the word out. We've got a lot of great things in the new year. We'll be bringing a lot of guests on, a lot of planning, a lot of preparing, and it's going to be exciting. So we want to move right into today's topic. And one thing that's kind of followed me through the years and really goes back to me being in my first vocation, for those of you that listen to this and don't know, I was in the quote-unquote ministry as a vocational pastor, uh, executive pastor. My dad, I grew up in church, preacher's kid. And so that was kind of what, at one time in my life, I thought that was going to basically be a, the, the primary driving thing, although we were always entrepreneurial. And so as a young young guy coming up, I had a, a basically a passion to really see you know, my dad's church and what we were doing to really be excellent. And really, when I look back at my life, you know, my, my sister John's my brother-in-law here, and he's married to my sister Kristen, and she still likes to pick on me to this day about how I used to dress, you know, because I was always, I was just overly concerned uh, with how I dressed, and I loved wearing suits even when I was little, and she picks on me about, you know, braided belts and silk shirts, and I like gold and wore necklaces and had some rings and whatever went through a stage in life and she kind of chastises me for it but I was always concerned I wanted my hair styled and done just right I wanted to look just right in my personal appearance and I was kind of OCD with with things being right around me whatever it was and so it's just something that was inbred in me so that kind of translated into really I, I enjoyed I went through a season of about 10 years as a vocational minister to help my dad uh, build what was a thriving ministry there and uh, and still exists today under some different leaders. But, you know, I was just passionate. I wanted things to be excellent. I wanted them to excel, which is, you know, excel becomes the word excellent, excel right there together, okay? I wanted things to excel. I wanted them to go far beyond what we had known uh, in, in South Georgia at that time. Again, we're talking over 20 years ago. You know, church was kind of smaller. It was, it was, a, you know, you come on, there wasn't big staffs in South Georgia, smaller towns, and you turned the lights on on Sunday and warmed the place up if it was cold in the winter and had church and locked it up and everybody went home. And and what we desired and what grew into an actual organism, a business, of, you know, at the peak, a staff of between the Christian school and everything of well over uh, 30, it might even been 40 full-time employees, the best I can remember. And so had a lot going on, television, radio, you know, done a lot with marketing, was kind of revolutionary and all that. And that's where I cut my teeth in life. Uh, that's where 
a lot of inspiration where I learned how to operate a business, you know, do, being under my dad, learning how to manage and lead people and deal with people. And so, you know, a lot of learning. And it's funny about life. When you look back at your life, a lot of things that you might have thought uh, didn't, you know, so, something that maybe crashed and burned or something in your life that you was doing that you're not doing anymore just didn't work out. Or maybe you just made a mental decision to go a different way. You know, sometimes when we exit those times of life, we look back and say, well, that was, you know, that was a waste or, you know, because you think because you're not doing that thing anymore that somehow it's uh, it's all for naught. You know, you just wasted your time. The fact of the matter is everything in life builds upon each other. Every experience builds on every experience. And there's things you'll learn and grow at because life is on the job training. As long as you don't shut yourself off, you never quit learning. So, so many things that I developed and grew and learned in from a marketing standpoint, applying that to my dad's ministry all those years ago, are the same things, even though they've evolved. Now, we got social media and all this stuff that we didn't have. You know, by the time I was exiting, uh, Facebook was just becoming a thing, and MySpace hadn't been a thing all that long. And so that's kind of changed the landscape a lot. But so much of what I learned how to organize things, how to market, how to build a brand, all that came from those years. And those are things that I use today. But no matter what, I wanted them to be excellent. And so a common theme that if you go to my YouTube channel or if you follow, ever, ever followed any of my social media over the past seven or eight years, some stuff that I've done personally, you know, excellence is a core theme. You'll see a ton on it. Uh, you know, a lot of my speaking is my, my keynote speech that I give. Uh, a lot of times when I invite a lot of places is on excellence, what I call the spirit of excellence. Us as individuals having a spirit of excellence on our lives about our purpose and the plan that God has for us in our life. And I believe that excellence honors God and it inspires people. So this particular podcast may have more spiritual undertones than some of the other ones, but it, for, for me personally, uh, I can't go create another life, so I am what I am. I'm a product of what I've come up in. I come up in the ministry and, and there's so many things, you know, from the Bible that I still believe that are applicable, applicable today. And just as a side note, so many principles that you see, so many high achievers and top achievers and business people that you'll see if you study them in, in the world of personal development or the business coaching world or whatever, so many of those people, whether they talk about it or not, whether they might, it, whether they classify themselves as a quote-unquote believer or a Christian or whatever you want to call it, they operate and utilize many principles from Scripture and from the Bible. And the, the issue is, is the principle works if you work it, no matter what your core belief is. If you take that principle and you apply it to your life, it'll produce fruit and work in your life. So in believing that excellence honors God and it inspires people, what I believe the true definition of excellence is, is doing the very best you can with what you've been given. In other words, taking what you have already at the existing place in life, whether you're a hundred heir or a millionaire or a billionaire, okay? Whether you have a small house, a medium-sized house, or a big house, whether you drive a big, long, nice car, or you drive a little old hatchback, okay? And uh, again, I'm using things to help create a visual here, but my point is, is when you take what you've been given, whatever you have at whatever base level you're currently at, and you maximize it, you optimize it, okay? You do the, you get all the juice out of that berry you can get. You do the very best you have with what you've been given, 
not only does God honor that, which I believe God, universe, whatever you want to call it, it, it opens up, okay? That's being grateful. When you do the most you have with what you've been given, that's gratitude. And gratitude, you've heard us say, is the healthiest of all human emotions. Things that are healthy cannot help but grow and can't help but thrive. And so when you're grateful and you're doing, you're honoring those items that have been given to you, you know, if it's a, if it's a small house, thank God for the small house. Keep the small house clean. You may want a big old mansion, but let me tell you how you're not going to get the big mansion. If you don't cut the grass in the one you're at, if you don't trim the shrubs of the one you're at, if you don't clean the kitchen every night before you go to bed in the one you're at, if you want a bigger kitchen, take care of the kitchen you got. If you want a bigger house, take care of the house you got. If you want a better job, do the very best at the current job. When you do more in life than you're asked to do, you'll be given more than you ask for. Well, I mean, in talking about spiritual undertones, I mean, it goes, what you're talking about is directly related to the story of the talents. I mean, the master gave one, one person uh, and I'll get this wrong, mess it up. But anyway, you get the point. Gave one person ten talents, one person five talents, one person two talents, and the person that the master went away and came back sometime later, and the person that he gave the ten talents to, had doubled it, gave him had you know reproduced it, uh, turned it into twenty talents. The person he gave the five talents to had doubled it, had turned five into ten, and then when the master went to the one that he gave the the uh, two talents to. He said, well, what did you do with the two talents I gave you? He said, well, I buried them. I didn't do anything with them, but I still got them. I didn't lose them. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people in life think, well, we should, we should get credit for not losing what we have. At least we still got it. But life's not about maintaining, you know. Um, you, when you talk about excellence and, and the root word of excellence is excel, you know, you either exist or you excel in life. It's the only two people that, that, that are out there, the ones that are in life to exist and the ones that are in life to excel. And, and it's like those stories with the talent. The one who was given the most reproduced and doubled the most. And, and, and here's the thing. The master gives the talents based on what he already knows is in the heart, what he already knows the attitude there is, um, what he already knows is going to happen. He knew the one with the 10 would turn it into 20. He knew the one that gave five, two would turn it into five. And he also knew the one that gave the two and that's the reason he gave the least too. And at the end of that story, instead of the master being proud of the person for not losing, because here's what I believe. I believe if the person had taken the two talents and mm-hmm. lost the two talents, I believe the master would have been more pleased with him than for just keeping the two talents. Because he took action. Because he took action. Fear was one of the things that motivated him not to take action because it even says in that story uh, or in that parable, that I was afraid because I knew the master was a hard taskmaster. Well, that, if we want to get real spiritual and really preach a sermon on it, he didn't know the master to begin with. And that's why he didn't know what to do with the talents because he didn't know the master of the talents. But the fact of the, the entire story is fear and laziness kept him from acting, and he just wanted to exist, and he just wanted to maintain. And the quickest way to lose, you may not lose it, but if you if you begin to maintain, if your mentality is to maintain, you don't have to lose it because it'll be taken from you. Mm-hmm. And just in this story, the master took the two talents from him, gave it to the one with the most talents. Mm-hmm. It's funny. And, and I've said this before and I've heard it said before. You could take all the rich people in the world and put them on this island. Mm-hmm. Take all the broke people on this world, uh, 
in the world and put them on this island. Mm-hmm. Then you can take all the money from the rich people and give it to the broke people. Come back 10 years later, and that money's going to make its way back to that island with the, with the people because they know what to do with it. They know how to multiply it. They know how to not only keep it, but to, to cause it to grow. And excellence is going to always attract that back to it. And this is this will piss a lot of people off. But, you know, and again, we're sticking with the spiritual undertones today because at, at the end of the day, this is the best way to communicate this. But, but God is not Robin Hood. He does not rob from the rich and give it to the poor. And people with any sense that have accomplished anything, it don't mean we're not benevolent. It doesn't mean there's times we don't give. But we know, we're not going to sit here and cast pearls to people that's not going to take them and be effective with them and multiply them and do what they need to do. It goes back, you know, there's a scripture in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 25, but we're, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm probably a little rusty. I've been quite a few years since I was in Bible college. But I believe Jesus' words in red, this was Jesus talking. But he says that the person that already has will be given more. And the person that has little, even what he has, will be taken from him and given to the person that has more, which echoes what you just, I mean, that's, that's scripture. I mean, even the Bible tells you that the little bit that you have, if you're not doing nothing with it, in other words, if you're sitting there hoarding it, you're not trying to multiply it, you got a poverty mentality, increase is never going to come to you. But to the individual that has broken out of a poverty mentality, that is building something that has, the reason he has is because he knows what the heck he's doing. He knows how to multiply. He knows how to create wealth. The more wealth you have, the more people you can help. So to the one that, that has, even more will be given. So which completely violates a lot of things we hear today, socialism and entitlement and all this stuff where, you know, everything should be just divvied equally and just handed out equally and everybody should share the wealth, you know. And that never works. It don't work in any economy you've ever looked at because, I mean, you got people running around grumbling at jobs, you know, talking about the boss man. And maybe your boss man is an asshole. Maybe maybe he's rude. Maybe he's not a good person, okay? Whatever the case is. But you got people, you know, you know what society is. You're on social media. We see the memes and the quotes and all this stuff. And you see people banging on the job or banging on their leadership or making smart, sly comments or saying, well, that rich SOB, you know, he just all he cares. What you should be doing is thanking God that there's some rich people out there because if there wasn't rich people, whether you like them or not, whether they have to or not, you wouldn't have a job because the 3% is what creates the infrastructure and the place for the 97% to have somewhere to work, to get a paycheck, to feed themselves. Okay, some people, you know, some men create structure and other men need structure. Everybody don't know how to create structure, and the ones that need the structure are going to work for the ones that create it. And that's a sad situation when you've got, you know, when you and, and it's not always the case. A lot of times employees really honor and appreciate their employers, and, and as it should be. Um, I've said it for, for years now. If you can't celebrate another man's success, you probably will never celebrate your own success. You despise your own is what you that, said. That's exactly right. And so, um, you know, I've learned people in my life that, that are in places where I want to be. I've learned to congratulate them, to celebrate their victories, because I know I may not can celebrate my victories right now, but I can celebrate their victories until my victories come. 
And I think it's another law of the universe. If we we have an opportunity, God put God puts people in our lives that we can either learn from or we can resent them. And and it's a sad situation when you've got an employee who despises their boss no. simply because their boss is at a level that they're not. And, and I've heard you know people whether you like your boss, whether you like your job. At the end of the day, you need that job and you need that boss. And it, whether you necessarily agree with everything or like him as a person or, or her as a person, your livelihood depends on them. So you've got to have something about yourself and something about mm-hmm. you as a person that appreciates that, that honors that, and that is thankful for that. Well, when you when you bless people that have more, you increase your capacity to receive more. Mm-hmm. It's like I heard T. Harv Ecker uh, he's got a quote that says, if you see someone with a beautiful body, bless their body. If you see someone with a beautiful home, bless their home. If you see someone with a beautiful car, bless their car. If you see someone with a beautiful family, bless their family. That increases your capacity to receive abundance. And so another important thing to remember is you'll never be able to have what you speak against. When you put your mouth on people, whether you agree with them or not, whether you like them or not, I mean, that's why you're not going to say, I'm not going, there's a lot of things I don't agree with, but you're not going, I'm not going to spend my time putting my tongue on it, speaking against it, writing about it, commenting on social media about it. It's just, it's non-productive and it doesn't, it doesn't enrich anything. It doesn't bring any extra capacity to my life, but I also know how to eat around a bone and I cannot agree with the person on certain issues, social issues, political issues, whatever it may be. But I can see something of value in their life. I'm going to speak and bless the thing of value that I see. People need to stop freaking bashing. I mean, I, I don't get it. Why, instead of bashing what you hate, why don't you promote what you love? Well, Find what you love, promote it, and quit bashing what you hate. The key there is eat around the bone. You know, people with, with especially in my life, the people that are close to me and appreciate me, they know I'm not without flaws, but they love me anyway, you know. And the people that are closest to you know your flaws as good as you do. Right. But they've learned to eat around the bone. They've learned to celebrate the good attributes. And, and there's certain things that there's certain areas on this podcast I'm not even going to speak into because I don't feel qualified. And, and, and not only qualified, I just know I got so far to go in a lot of areas. I'm going to leave some areas alone. Now, there's some areas that I feel like I got a lot to say in. Um but people around me know that too, and they've learned to eat around the bone. There's and and there's nobody in in the world that you're going to follow that has any manner of success that you're going to agree with and everything. Just find what you can use, find what you. And, and here's the thing too, you may not agree with it now, but be careful because what you agree with now is not going to be with what you agree mm. with ten years from now. Yeah. If, if if the things you believe aren't changing. You're not changing. Right. And so be very careful what you speak against. But at the same time, eat around the bone. That's, that is key. Well, then getting back to excellence, you know, again, my definition is, and it's, it's proven to be effective in my life, okay, doing the very best I have with what I've been given. What I have found is, is every time that I'm optimizing to the max and I'm doing the very best I can with what I currently have, what that does is, is that breaks me through a, a ceiling and that that once was my ceiling becomes my new floor 
but then it opens up a whole nother. That's why you're always growing. We're always finding the best version of ourselves if we're progressing. You know, the thing we say a lot of times, anything that's growing is changing. Anything that's changing is going to always challenge you. And so when we move and then we open up, that opens us up into it. We break through that glass ceiling. Now we've got to, you know, we're dancing on a new ceiling. We've got a whole new area to expand, to grow into. And in doing that, you got to understand people's always watching you. People are watching your life, okay? They're seeing what's going on with you, especially if there's any type of leadership qualities at all on your life. They may not even be following you yet, but they're, they're at least watching to see whether there's enough substance there that's going to make them want to follow. And it's the law of attraction, and you talk a lot about that, but attracting relationships. And here's what I believe about excellence. When you do the very best you have with what you've been given, what it causes is an attraction. It causes people that are watching you, people that want to be doing, have more. They get inspired. So excellence honors God and does what inspires people. So then those people become inspired by what you're doing. And inspiration is a lot different than motivation. Motivation is something that gets you going. It's words. It's, it, it's, a, it's a picture in front of you. It's something that drives you for a little while. Inspired, I believe, is a spiritual work. It's something inside of you. It touches your spirit. It touches your soul. It begins to manifest. And so when you're inspired, then those people are inspired by what you're doing, the inspiration that's inside of you. Then that's when they begin to actually follow you, okay? And it brings a synergistic effect on your life. So when you do the very best you have with what you've been given, it draws key people and relationships, people that obtain and have inside of them treasures, resources, wisdom, uh, talents, skills, finances, things that you have that you need to accomplish your life's mission and goal. And so then when they come into the picture, then you're helping them be, do, and have more. They're helping you be, do, and have more. Everybody's moving up together, and a compound effect, a multiplication comes into your life, and you're able to get to that goal, to that dream life, to that lifestyle, to that company that you want to build, to that book that you want to write, to that album that you want to record. You're getting there quicker because you stepped out, you took action, you did it excellently, you did it, you give it your all, you optimized your resources. That inspired people to come and bring more resources. And the thing just begins to happen and it begins to go. We've seen it with our own company. And then you, it, a viral effect takes place. Now here's what we got going on then at that point. Then the people that were initially inspired by you, we, we fast forward three, four, five years. Now their lifestyle's changing. It's evident on them the way they act, talk, dress, the places they go, the, the, the order in their life. And then they have a sphere of influence, and they have people that they touch, and it begins to attract them. And next thing you know, you've got this viral attraction happening in your organization, in your business, in your family, that really begins to, um, begins to move and go and grow, which is why you and I, we've got people working you know, in our company today that up to this point we've not even met yet. Maybe we'll get an opportunity to meet them, and that's just going to continue to be more and more. You know, you called me last night at 6 o'clock. I said, I got three more calls to return, three people I've never heard of that somebody else that knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody said to call us and come to work for us, and they're raring and ready to go. And that that's what happens. And for all, every time that that, that you inspire someone because you're living a life of excellence, and, you, and excellence doesn't mean perfection, okay? 
You know, Vince Lombardi's got the quote we've said on here before. If you'll shoot for perfection, at the very least, you'll hit excellence. You can shoot for perfection, but don't get bogged down and pissed off and frustrated with yourself. Everything's not going to be perfect. I love when I go home for my house to be in as much order as possible. I love for everything to just be perfect and in place. But guess what? Rarely is it ever. Now, it's not trashed. It's not destroyed. But there's going to be some things out of place. There's going to be some things, you know. But that's because I got family. I got kids. I got, you know, they're they're a blessing to your life. They're in there. They're going to move something around or drop a chip on the floor or do something. So the same thing, if your life is your spiritual house, okay, everything's not going to always be perfect. Everything's not going to be in perfect order. It don't it don't have to be, but excellence is not perfection. Again, going back to our, our definition, excellence is simply doing the very best you have with what you've been given, and that's what moves you up in life. That's what moves you through the levels. But a lot of people don't have a vision for excellence, you know. And there's a there's a scripture that says, "Where there is no where there's lack of vision, people perish." So many people in today's world are perishing. Their personal lives are chaos. They're, they're perishing. They got all this stuff, all this drama. They're struggling financially. All this, but you've got to envision. I believe is called, is not taught. You got to catch the vision for your life. You know, there's a story. That uh, that is in a book called Leadership Excellence by Pat Williams, and it's about Walt Disney. And so, you know, Walt Disney has this vision, okay, that we all now see in a global brand that's lived out in front of us, okay, one of the probably the most recognizable brand. I don't know, Coca Cola might be close to it, but I mean, Disney worldwide is the most recognized. You see that castle, you know what the heck it is, okay. But when Walt went to build. Disney World, all right, you're looking at a swamp that was literally very low land, a swamp area. You got all the engineers, you got all the experts, all the people he's bringing around the table, you know, and there's a famous picture of him at, at that table pointing at a set of blueprints and all these people around him. And so when they start the meeting, they're getting ready to break ground and get things rolling on to what is the infrastructure of this theme park that at that time, they don't know if it's going to bomb or fly, you know. And so they're getting ready to do it because of the the terrain and the low-lying land. The engineers are just thinking logically, and they say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now, we know the castle's the center of this plan, but now what we need to, need to do, Mr. Disney, is we need to start on these outer edges and begin to build the infrastructure in, and then we'll wrap up with the castle. It's going to save, you know, at that time, thousands upon thousands of dollars to do it that way to build the infrastructure. And from a common sense standpoint, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But Walt shut the whole thing down and said, absolutely not. We're not going to do it that way. And nobody understood it. All the engineers were scratching their head. He said, we're going to build the castle first, whatever we got to do. We're building the castle first, and then we don't build nothing else. We don't work on any other infrastructure, any other attractions, any other rides. We don't do nothing until the castle's built. You know, and his purpose for doing that, as Pat Williams goes on to explain, is he wanted the vision of excellence. Okay, because in his mind, the world hadn't seen it yet. It was a dream. It was at that point just a dream in his head. But in his mind, he knew that that castle was going to be the brand. That's what was going to be on there. That was going to be that was going to set the prerequisite of excellence on what Disney is, and we can all agree Disney is excellent. I mean, it's as excellent as it gets. 
And all that came from one man, but he understood the powerful aspect of a vision and casting a vision so that people can run to it. And Disney, truth be told, would probably not be what it is today if he'd done that in reverse. But that one simple act of him saying, I'm going to build the centerpiece of this whole deal, this whole brand, this whole thing, global empire that I know it's going to be, we're going to start with the driving force. We're going to cast the vision. And then we're going to, even though it defies common knowledge, common wisdom, this is how I know it needs to be done. And I think we can all agree at this point that that did cast the vision. Disney is a global brand, but a leader that was willing to go against the grain had the intuitive knowledge to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to write the vision, make it plain. I want all these workers to look at that perfect castle. Ain't nothing been built like it in the theme park before. I want everybody to have to look at that thing. So every time they lay a brick, they're going to lay it with, you know, with excellence. Every time they run a wire or a conduit, they're going to run it with excellence because they see in something exemplified excellent in front of them every day. Well, it's like you said, excellent inspires people. Excellence inspires. The castle expired everything else that was built. It was the inspiration <clears throat> and the reason. And that's a, uh, a strong leadership uh, picture there. Walt Disney had the foresight to build the castle first, knowing that the castle would be the inspiration. And it, you can also say it this way, Walt Disney, in that room, was the castle he was yep. the inspiration for everybody else and and in leadership if you're a leader of an organization or a, or a church or a household you are that castle you've got to excellence has to be on your life in such a manner that everything around you because you're the center you're the, you're the castle everything else around you has to be inspired by your actions your beliefs your drive your pace the things that your your habits and your rituals, all of those things have to inspire the people around you. Well, the vision without persistence is like an interesting chapter in an unfinished book. And vision has to be cast for there to be persistence. Okay. We just done a shot a podcast earlier today on pace, you know, and, and in that, I mean, if you don't have a vision for your life and something that you can get up and look at and know this is what this is the mark I'm pressing towards every day, it's hard to have persistence. And so, again, in, in the Walt Disney example that we're using, I mean, don't you think them workers was way more persistent looking at that castle every day? They had mm -hmm. something in front of them. And that's what, you know, you guys that are listening to the podcast, all our you know, those of you that have joined and bought into Separation Nation, I mean, this is what we're talking about when we talk about having an item, you know, whether it's a, a goal you're going to hit and you're going to drink this bottle of wine that you're looking at every day, or if it's a vision board that you've got in the closet of your house, or, you know, if it's if it's positive affirmations that you have written in lipstick on your mirror in your, in your bathroom every morning, you know. And, and while all that stuff sounds so silly to a lot of people, because common knowledge would say, why the heck do I want to spend thousands of more dollars doing a bass backwards, to use a crazy term here, but I mean, go, go completely backwards. And, and instead of working our way in on this infrastructure for Disney, that we're going to spend all this extra money. Just, I mean, we can look at it, Just put a picture up of the castle. Why, why don't you just do that? I mean, you're going to save all these thousands of dollars. Okay. 
But that's mediocrity. That's people trying to sit there and say, listen, I mean, do you think Walt Disney, once all that got rolling, was worried about the thousands extra it cost? Because look look at what it created and look at the wealth that it created and the cash flow and the organism. He ain't lost no money. All that did was make him, you know, a crap ton more. I mean, it's just you have to do whatever you got to do in your life to keep the vision in front of you. You got to keep you sold on it. You got to keep your family sold on it. And you got to operate in excellence. And if you don't get this vision for excellence for your life, how? What? It, listen, take everything in your life that don't line up with the vision you have for it and learn to start saying no to it. You got to learn how to say no. You got to learn how everything that's not moving in incongruence with what you, with the direction you know your life needs to be headed, you need to say no. And you need to start living a life that inspires other people. You may sit there when you're listening to this podcast and say, there ain't nothing about my life to inspire nobody. Well, let me tell you, there absolutely is. There's something that you do with greatness that nobody else can do as great as you can do. Now, you may not be operating in it right now because you're, you've cast off restraint or you're upset or you're pissed off with God or you're ticked off with life or this didn't work out, that didn't work out. What I'm telling you today is you got to say no to those thoughts, all those contrary thoughts. You got to shut them down, and you got to dust off the thing again that you know that you can do, and that you are good at, and that you can shine at, and that does inspire, or at least has the potential to inspire people. You got to dust that thing off, and you got to use it. You got to use the tool in your hand. It don't got to be the perfect tool. It don't have to be the the perfect scenario. But if you use it, a progression, a natural progression will come, and you'll get you'll get those tools. And so. I'm going to tell a story here in just a minute about that, but I do want to reference one more thing uh, before we go into that that is from the Bible. It's actually in the book of Kings, but there's a story of King Solomon, okay? And so there's a story where the Queen of Sheba comes rolling into town with her whole, whole posse, all right? Parade deal. Think Aladdin, you know, when Aladdin's coming into the city and you got all the honorage and everybody's riding elephants or whatever, however you want to envision this for your own theatrical purposes, since this is a podcast. But the Queen of Sheba comes rocking in to King Solomon because, you know, basically she stands in front of the king and says, listen, you know, your greatness and the excellence that you operate under and the wealth and your all these things about that has, has exceeded nations. And we've heard about it, and I had to come see this thing for myself. And so when she shows up, and again, I'm paraphrasing. You can go read this in the, in the book of Kings in the Bible, okay? But when she shows up and she realizes, she tells Solomon, you know, all these things I heard was true. The scripture says that there was no more, uh, I'm trying to think, basically it translates to there was no more resistance left in her. Okay. And there's another word for resistance they use there, but that's what it translates to. So in other words, when she's seen for her own self with her own eyes, the excellence of Solomon's kingdom and the, the, the temple, what he built, and it goes on with great specificity, and it talks about the way the servants and the maidservants were dressed, and the food that was presented on the table, and the ornate, you know, decorations and the of the the building and the structure, and it goes to it talks about the things that a lot of times, you know, we may hear people say, well, so and so dresses to the nines, so they dress good, or man, the food at that restaurant was phenomenal. You know, all these things that are things that we can touch, taste, smell, see with our own eyes that sometimes maybe people negate because it's so commonplace 
those things matter, you know. Details, Details matter. And le- leadership, leaders, true leaders, people that are, you know, in leadership positions that have built anything, understand details matter. I mean, you'll know with me, and I'll get, I'll finish up with this story in just a second, but, I mean, I got this thing with light bulbs. If I come in this office and there's a freaking light bulb out, I don't wait on somebody else that we pay to do it. I mean, I, I'm going to get the ladder myself. That is one thing I will do. And I, I can't stand for a light bulb. If there's something that's supposed to be functioning optimally, I cannot stand for it not to function. You know, I pay pay great deal for my daughter to go to private school. You know, I go into private school, and uh, and they've got these these things that are operated that suck flies into them like a light, you know what I'm saying, in their cafeteria. So if there's a fly in there, it'll get sucked up. Well, I walked in there last year and and go in there, and, uh, you know, none of them's even functioning. They're not even plugged, because they're not plugged in. I go make with the skill side. I mean, y'all pay for them things. Why don't you plug them in? I mean, whatever you got, again, it's about optimization. And so, you know, you got to be doing the most you have with what you've been given. And the little things, if they're not in place, should bother you. That's the sign of somebody that's moving in leadership and doing great things. And so, you know, in that story with Solomon, there was no more resistance left in her. And here's the thing, going back to what we talked about earlier, he who has will be given more. Whenever Solomon was given, or or excuse me, when Sheba showed up and seen all that, it goes in great detail to explain. I mean, she basically gave the man an offering. She gave him what would be in today's money, millions of dollars in riches and in gold and all this abundance that she brought she blessed him for and, and solomon wasn't hurting he was a rich man already okay well, he's got it going on and so somebody that had was heard about it was attracted to it gave to it that's excellence and so that's the picture of excellence and that's what god wants for our life that's what we should want for our life we should want to do the very best with with whatever we have whatever resources we have whatever tools in your hand use it and you'll be given more and more and more, and you'll move into greater and greater levels. That's what excellence is. It honors God, and it inspires people.